2: Yama and welcome to Night TV Radio. Coming up in your program uh, this Wednesday, the 5th of April 2023. Well, Pajma Festival of Light, the only authentic Aboriginal light and art festival of its kind in the world, is returning in Pantwe. Early springs in just a couple, of t- a couple of days' time. And leading up to the event, we spoke to Charlie Maa Jr., the first Indigenous Australian runner to finish all six major marathons. Charlie Maa is one of the most anticipated participants in Pajima this year. In our conversation, Charlie shares his story about how running has changed his life and how he seeks to inspire First Nations youth to follow in his footsteps. We also have a story from SBS's newsroom about renewed calls to increase the number of bone marrow donors in Australia to provide life-saving stem cells for those diagnosed with blood cancer. As you'll hear, the call enjoys wide-ranging support including a bipartisan approval among parliamentarians. On NITV Radio today, we also have a selection of stories that aired on NITV, including a call by the family of a a New South Wales indigenous man who died in custody for better health care for prisoners. The call comes after a coronial inquest found the death was preventable. Also from NITV, we have the story about a new program in New South Wales to increase Indigenous participation in cricket in men and women's sides. We'll develop all these stories and more after the latest news coming to you from Nam on the Kulin Nation this Wednesday afternoon. Bertrand Tungandami I am Bertrand Tungandami. Australia Day 1972 the first Aboriginal embassy
1: erected
3: outside of The night title legislation must be amended.
1: And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came.
3: I am sorry.
2: The Liberal Party prepares to land its position on the voice to Parliament. Former US President Donald Trump maintained his innocence. And in surfing, Australian surfer gets a call-up for the RIPCAL Pro. is preparing to land a formal position on the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum after months of debate with Labour over the proposal. The Liberal Party have held a meeting this morning to discuss the party's position on the referendum. Some elected Liberals are calling for a conscience vote with the New South Wales Senator Andrew Bragg and Victoria's Jason Wood saying this is in line with party tradition. Liberal Senator James McGrath says he personally does not support The Voice, but we'll see what the party room decides.
4: Well, let's just see what happens at the party room. Uh, it's good for the Liberal Party to get together and have a discussion about this very important issue. My views are on the record as as, as opposing The Voice. Uh, But let's just see what what comes out of party room. So, and let's look into the details of it. But um, I think we all want to help Indigenous Australians. Uh, I don't think a constitutional voice is, is the way to go. I think all Australians in the constitution should be treated equally.
2: A police officer who shot and killed an Indigenous teen has been dismissed by the Northern Territory Police Force over serious breaches of discipline. Former police constable Zachary Rolfe killed 19-year-old Kumanjai Walker in November 2019, shooting him three times with the incident taking place in the remote community of Uendomo northwest of Alice Springs. He was later acquitted for the death of the indigenous man. According to a statement from a Northern Northern Territory police spokesperson, Rolfe's breaches were not related to the shooting itself. His father, Richard Rolfe, said that his son will appeal the decision. New South Wales Premier Chris Minns says Labour will keep its promise and begin a treaty process with the state's first nations. The Minns government will govern in minority with 45 or 46 seats with confidence and supply guaranteed by independent MPs Alex Greenwich, Greg Piper and Joe McGurr. But speaking to reporters on a tour of Lisbon, northern New South Wales, Mr Means has said a treaty is one of the promises the ALP made during the election campaign. He says it's, the time, it's time for New South Wales to move in that direction.
3: It's a complicated process and I know that Queensland and Victoria have been at it for over five years each and still haven't gotten to the stage where they've been able to enact or sign a treaty. But we're not going to be dissuaded by the complexity of the task It just needs to be remembered that it could be signing treaty with over 150 different nations.
2: Australia's banking regulator is calling for feedback from the public, including consumer and community groups, about the way it collects and distributes information about bank branch services across Australia. The Australian Prudential Regulation Authority says the number of physical bank branches in major cities fell by almost 30% in the five years to June 2022 and 29% in regional and remote areas. It's in response to the government's regional banking task force which is assessing the impact of branch closures across stakeholders and communities. The Reserve Bank's decision to pause interest rate hikes has been criticised as not going far enough to address increasing living costs. After 10 consecutive rate rises, the RBA decided to hold interest rates steady to see how the economy would respond. Deputy Liberal leader Susan Ley says more needs to be done to address the rising cost of living.
5: Unfortunately, there is no reprieve from a continually rising cost of living, something that everyone is experiencing when they go to the supermarket, when they open their power bills, when they consider how they're going to get their family budget through this winter and whether, in fact, they're going to have to choose between heating and eating.
2: Australia's High Commissioner to the United Kingdom, Stephen Smith, has visited jailed WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange at a British prison. It's the first time since November 2019 that Mr Assange has accepted a consular visit and the first time a High Commissioner has met with him behind bars. Mr Smith told the ABC on his way to the prison that he was very keen to have a conversation with him and check on his health and well-being. He also said he would attempt to see whether regular visits might be a feature of the relationship with Mr. Assange going forward. Assange continues to have espionage charges in the U.S. and remains in London's Belmarsh Prison, where he has been held since 2019 while fighting extradition proceedings. In Moscow, Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese leader Xi Jinping wrapped up Xi's second day in Moscow. They ended with a state dinner in the 15th-century Palace of Facets that once served as a banquet hall for the Russian Tsars. The Chinese president says he has invited Mr. Putin to top-level meeting of China's One Belt, One Road regional initiative, which seeks to extend China's influence through economic cooperation projects.
3: I also invited President Putin to visit China this year. This year we will host the third Belt and Road meetings. We've held it twice. President Putin participated in the first two. Belt and Road has been an important
2: cooperation that connects China and Russia. The two leaders declared they have signed a joint statement. Vladimir Putin remains on the International Criminal Court's wanted list after a warrant for his arrest was issued a few days ago. Former U.S. President Donald Trump has addressed supporters in Florida after being charged with falsifying business records earlier in the day in New York City. Mr. Trump pleaded not guilty to 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in a history-making moment for the United States. Indicted last week, the former president is the first ever sitting or former president to face criminal charges. Mr. Trump says he is innocent of all charges.
6: The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. They attacked me with an onslaught of fraudulent investigations.
2: Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has has visited Kyiv for an unannounced visit to Ukraine. Japan chairs the Group of Seven Nations, the G7, this year and was the only one of the seven whose leader had yet to make a visit to the war torn country. Footage from Japanese national broadcaster NHK shows the Prime Minister inspecting a rundown train station. Commenting on the visit, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Wang Wenbin said that Japan should instead be working to defuse the war crisis.
6: The international
3: community should uphold the position of promoting peace talks and creating situations for the political resolution of the Ukraine crisis. We hope Japan could do more things to de-escalate the situation instead of the
0: opposite.
2: And back home, recognising forced marriage as a form of family violence opens the door for victim survivors to get help, according to a new Monash University report. The report makes the case for Australia to reconsider how it classifies abuse and backs Victoria's decision to legally recognise forced marriage as a form of family violence. Victoria is currently the only Australian state or territory to classify forced marriage as a statutory example of family violence, the report found. The study involved interviews and focus groups with more than 20 family violence and frontline service providers who said they could create clearer pathways for victim-survivors since the law took effect in 2019. And to surfing, Australian surfer Morgan Tibilic will join the Rip Curl Pro Field as a ninja replacement, stepping in for Brazilian Miguel Pupo, who was hurt at the last round in Portugal. Chibilich will have a tough welcome to the world tour with two-time former world champion John John Florence and fellow Hawaiian Baron Mamiya in his round one hit. Surfers at the Rip Curl Pro at Bell's Beach in Victoria have had to cool their heels as the competition is called off again due to poor conditions. The next call to continue the competition will be made on Thursday morning, April the sixth. And now having a look at the weather around the country this Wednesday, Brom partly cloudy, 32. Perth, sunny morning, 24. Adelaide, mostly sunny, 29. Melbourne, cloudy, 21. Hobart, a shower, 219. Albury, Wodonga, sunny, 26. Canberra, mostly sunny, 24. Wollongong, a shower, 223. Sydney, showers easing, 25. Newcastle also showers easing and 25 degrees as well. Brisbane mostly sunny, thirty-two. Townsville partly cloudy, thirty degrees. Cairns possible shower, thirty-one. Alice Springs partly cloudy, thirty-two. Darwin partly cloudy, thirty-three, and the Torres Strait Islands a sunny day and uh, top of thirty degrees. And that is NITV Radio News.
5: TV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online.
2: I'm Bertrand Tungendami and you're listening to NITV Radio this Wednesday afternoon coming to you from Nam on the Kulin Nation. Coming up next, we'll, we'll have a conversation with Charlie Ma, the first indigenous man to compete in all six major marathons around the world. And uh, he, we spoke to him ahead of his appearance at the Pajima Festival in Alice Springs. And from HBS's Nose we have a story about a call to increase the number of bone marrow donors across Australia. We also have a selection of stories that aired on NITV, including a call by a family in New South Wales to better protect inmates. After a coronial inquest found an indigenous man's death in custody was a present- preventable. Also from NITV, we have a story about a new initiative to increase indigenous participation in cricket around New South Wales. But first, Pajama 2023, which is just around the corner, kicking off in just a two days' time, and ahead of the event, we caught up with one of the most anticipated participants.
5: Join the conversation on radio, online, and mobile. You're
2: with NITV Radio. Pajima, a festival in light, the only authentic Aboriginal light and art festival of its kind in the world, is just around the corner for 2023. Pajima is not just about art. It also brings together Indigenous trailblazers taking part in powerful conversations. And one of the anticipated speakers and presenters at Pajima 2023 is Charlie Ma Jr., the first Indigenous Australian to finish all six major marathons. I'm pleased to say that Charlie Ma has accepted to share his story with us on NITV Radio. Welcome to NITV Radio, Charlie.
3: Yeah, no, thanks for having me.
2: Now, you are a great marathon runner with uh, several records under your belt and uh, that alone is very inspirational. What other stories will you be sharing at Pajima 2023?
3: Yeah, well, it'll be just mainly talking about My journey, obviously, I I was born in Alice Springs and a lot of my family are from from Dury, which is Hemmonsburg, which is 120 k's west of Alice Springs, and West west Narada Man. So, growing up here in Alice and also spending a lot of time out bush with all my family, um, yeah, it's, um, I reflect, you know, back on my journey on how I grew up and where I've, how far I've come and the places that I've been to now, right across the world as you said, and obviously I've I've tried my best to grab every opportunity that came my way. Um so yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to being a part of the festival and sharing my story and journey and like I said, I'm from Alice Springs, so um yeah, it's it's very special to be able to have this opportunity to do this and um very grateful of it as well.
2: You're very humble, but your story is uh, very unique. You're one of the inaugural marathon runners in the Indigenous Marathon Project, Was competing in New York and then going on to compete in uh, other cities. People don't just join the Indigenous Marathon Project for the sake of it. They join with a purpose. What was your purpose in joining the Marathon Project and uh, setting record after record thereafter? Yeah,
3: well, I, was, I was very lucky as a, as a kid. I had a very, very strong mother, um, who kept myself and my siblings in the, you know, in the right direction? We didn't grow up with a lot, but our faith is very strong, and that was her number one thing having having faith and and family. It didn't matter what we had growing up, as long as we we loved each other, and you know, she told us she loved us, and we loved her, and and that's all all that ever mattered to us. We knew that if we were cared for, we could. Go on and do anything, you know. Have that support from her mainly is, you know, is helped me to be the person I am today, and the values that I've learned along the way, and and my culture, and um, being respectful and listen to my elders, and I've always tried my best to keep grounded and remember who I am and where I come from, and she instilled a lot of that to us at a very young age, and we've kind of carried it on, so. Yeah, as you said, it's it's quite difficult to do what I've done, but I've had a very strong purpose, and I've always I've always just wanted to make my mum proud, and um, you know, sadly she passed away two years ago, but her legacy lives on with me, and it it always will. And I'm so grateful I've got all these opportunities, and she 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 saw me. You know go away and and run these marathons around the world. she did it She got very nervous I was when I was going away, but she was also very proud to let people know that, what I've done as well so just to make her proud is you know that's all I ever wanted to do um, in life just to repay her for what she did for myself and my siblings you know in return to make her feel proud um that she's Helped me become a really strong man and role model and leader now to a lot of people, um, not only in Australia, but you know right across nationally as well now. So um, you know I'm, I'm very grateful and and very humbled to be able to do what I do, and I'll continue to do it for a very long time. So yeah, very grateful.
2: Yeah, it's sad the passing of your mum and uh, more recently the passing of your sister. Two key figures and role models in your life. Uh, very sorry to hear about that.
3: Yeah, so obviously my, my older sister passed away late last 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 year in May as well. So growing up, I only trusted my mum and my older sister growing up. So I didn't trust anyone else to look after me. <laughs> um, and yeah, when when my sister passed away so suddenly with cancer last year, you know, it was, I had a purpose on. Why I do London and last year, and she's told me to do it. And uh, you know, I've completed all six major marathons. It, it's yeah, it's, it's never been about myself. It's always been about other people, and that's how I grew up. It's always been make sure you look after each other and one another, and look out for others and make an impact on others. And and that's what my older sister did before she passed. She said, you know, this would be something positive and will help you through the healing process, you know, she didn't, obviously she she was going through a lot of pain and, you know, with her treatment and stuff, and, um, but she always thought about others, just like our mum, like I said, you know, we were grateful to have our mum and she, she helped us to be really good people and try our best and the legacy goes on, obviously, with myself and uh, my siblings as well, so... I'm very, very lucky to be able to do what I do, and and yeah, very, very giving of time to others and sharing my story and journey as well.
2: Yeah, now running has been uh, life changing for you, especially participating in uh, the Indigenous Marathon Project. It's said that participants in the program commit to engage in promoting indigenous health and a uh, healthy living lifestyle. What was your commitment, or what have you been up to reflecting this commitment?
3: obviously work with the Contar Foundation here in Alice Springs, um, something that I've done for 15 odd years now, and I also have a purpose to guide young men into the right direction, Like um, and you know, to be good role models and leaders as well. So I have that life experiences that I can share to them and what I try and tell anyone that I cross paths with is you put your mind to anything, you can achieve anything, um, but you've got to give a 100% in whatever you do and whether it's running or educational, or, yeah, anything you put your mind to. Um, that's what I try and, you know, let people know that everyone's, Good at something, so you just have to find that something. So, so that's what I do. You know, outside of running, is work for the Contar Foundation in Alice Springs, and and I also love spending time with my family, my kids, my wife, and um, as well. So, and I coach women's footy as well. So, wow. I always, I just keep busy. I just, I'd love, love to keep busy, and I love giving, and love, 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 love giving to others, and um, making time, and it's a part of my life. I, I believe that I've been given a gift. Um so I'll I'll try my best to share my what what you know, what what I know and through my experiences and I just hope that I can inspire others to to do the same as well.
2: Yeah, I can see your personal experience and your personal journey really influencing the youth, especially in your hometown of Valley Springs, a place that has been under media scrutiny lately for the wrong reasons, I might say, with the youth going off the rail. What would you say to the local youth of your hometown of Alice Springs?
3: There's, there's, there's a lot of positive things that happen that don't get noticed as well, so I think a lot of people do a lot of positive things without people knowing about it, and there is, this is I love Alice Springs, you know, I've been away for eight years and I've come back home now, so um it's a great place to live, you know, the scenery is great and like anywhere, there's always things happening, um, you know, uh, with the youth and and that kind of thing. I think for me, I I just, I try my very best to think of the positives and and for me to share my story and journey, you know, I, I hope that there are youths around that can hear my story and they can understand that I'm just just like them. Like I grew up here in Alice Springs, and I got into trouble, but I found a direction in life, and and I kind of just, you know, sometimes you just need that little spark to try and get you back, get you on track. And uh, I've always tried to think about the positive. I, I'm not on social media that much. Uh, I kind of stick or stick clear of it. Yeah. Um. I just always just think of positive things that happen here and you know and share that with others and that's why I'm doing you know being a part of the Pajima festivals because I want to share my story and journey and let people know that you know I come from Alice Springs and and I'm, I've traveled the world by just my actions and I've grabbed every opportunity so you know I think you know if we can share more of those stories and, and this is one of many there's there's plenty of other stories and positive stories around here in Alice Springs with people doing really pretty great things as well so if we can continue to share those stories and listen to those people on what they've done as well this, it's only going to make it a better you know environment and, and you know we can have hope for those youth or, or anyone in general as well
2: yeah no you're living example that uh you know if you put your mind to it, you can turn your life around and not just run one marathon but six of them improving mm-hmm. your record each time you run. this is just a feat you're the first uh, actually indigenous runner to go the under three three hours and uh, you improved on that, mm-hmm. and then you went on to do all the six tremendous success. not everyone yeah. can even run a marathon, you run all the six of them and each time doing better and better and better, which is just fantastic now charlie before i let you go the mic is open to you any closing words that uh, you would like to add to our conversation
3: oh just i'd just like to thank yourself and you know i'm always i'm always happy to chat to anyone like um yeah i've always got time for people it's so important for me to share my story and journey and just like to thank everyone for their support like, you know, people that I know but also people that I don't even know that have been touched by uh, my story and journey and, and how I've made an impact on their lives, so, you know, really want to thank them as well but I've had so much support and so grateful of, of all the support that I've, I've, I've gotten over the journey. It's been 13 years of, you know, being a part of running, you know, and running marathons and It's a part of my life. It's part of my lifestyle, and and I, you know, I'll I'll always do it. And but always, always thankful of the support that I've had, especially from Rob De Costello, all the Indigenous Marathon Foundation staff and graduates, and my family and my wife and kids. You know, the, the list goes on. It's just so much, so much support that I'm very grateful of. And yeah, I hope I hope I can continue to inspire others to be better and healthier and look after themselves and their families well, along, along, along the way as well, so, so thank you there's everyone
2: Well Charlie Ma thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on short notice, it's been a really a great pleasure talking to you today
3: no, Thank you, thank you for your time
5: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile, you're with NITV Radio
2: Now coming up next, our selection of stories from NITV
5: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
2: The family of an Indigenous man who died in a New South Wales jail is demanding better health care for prisoners. After a coroner found his death was preventable, Banjarung and Gomere man William Haynes died in Cessna Correctional Centre in 2021. An inquest found significant failures in the way he was diagnosed and treated. Tanisha Williams reports.
7: A heartbroken father living with a pain too immense to comprehend.
6: We're not carving very well. I'm not.
7: 37-year-old William Haynes was found unresponsive in his cell in Cessnock Correctional Centre in 2021. Two years and a coronial inquest later the family still has many questions about the lack of appropriate care.
6: And it's not William's fault. It wasn't William's fault. It was the fault of these government organisations. And if I've got to find a way to take them to court, make them be accountable for what they did, I'll find a way.
7: The coroner found that while Mr Haynes died of natural causes, there were shortcomings in his care. He had been treated for deep vein thrombosis for six years. A condition that caused the pulmonary embolism he died from, but when he was transferred to hospital from Cessnock Prison, his medical history wasn't provided.
6: Well, they said there in the coroner's report they were making changes. Whether they are doing it or not, we'll never know because they've got no, we've got no say to what they're doing, and they don't have to tell us what they're doing. You know, it's all their business.
7: The family have also expressed disappointment with the way the coronial findings were handed down.
6: We thought it was
0: uh, a, like a smack in the face, you know. Here, here's the, here's the, here it is in paper form, you know. Yeah, work it out for yourselves, and and that was basically it. Since the inquest, one of the
7: health services responsible apologised to Mr Haines's family for failing to provide the standard of care their loved one deserved. The family have vowed to continue to fight for change. This fight has only just begun and believe you me, this fight will be won for William and Robert and Mark and Artie and all the other Aboriginal families that have lost people in deaths in custody. It is so wrong how they treat our people. Tanisha Williams, NITV News.
2: Now only four Indigenous players are currently representing Australia in Test cricket across the men's and women's games. Determined to turn that around a new Indigenous cricket program has been launched to try to get more First Nations players into the sport. Ricky Kabi has more.
0: Indigenous high school students hitting the field at Cricket Central on Wongoland in Sydney. It's part of a free program giving teens an opportunity to participate in a day of cricket and culture.
4: I think it's good for like the mob to come around and talk about language, talk about culture and get us involved using sport. I think that's
0: good. Kicking off with a cricketised game of Nungawana, a ball-hitting game played by First Nations peoples in the southwest region of Western Australia. Joining the students, Indigenous cricket stars Hannah Darlington and Tyron Lydiard, hoping to encourage the next generation of Indigenous cricketers.
6: To see another good group coming out to Sydney is really special and I think, yeah, as a, a proud Indigenous cricketer that's had the chances to play professionally, um, to be able to come back and, and give to a program like this is, is really important.
2: So that's the beauty
5: of these, these type of um, events is you find unhidden talent and people that can play, and a lot of it is just natural talent. Uh, a lot of them never picked up a cricket ball or never picked up a bat, but just naturally good at it. Um, so if we further develop those skills and, and grow their skills and uh, help them learn the game, you just don't know
0: what they could become. It's the last of three clinics put on across the state designed to get more First Nations kids yeah. playing the sport.
3: Yeah, to have close to 200 kids um, engage in the program in our first sort of pilot phase um, is amazing, and we're looking forward to taking this to different corners of the state um, in the lead-up to next cricket season as well.
0: From teenagers who have never played before to high-performance cricketers and everyone in between.
4: It's really good. It's very like immersive, and they actually you can tell they care about what they're teaching, and it's just a good way to get us all involved.
0: Aiming to make cricket a more welcoming place for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, Ricky Kirby, Nitv
2: News. Australia's poor environmental record has prompted the establishment of a new working group which centres First Nations' perspectives on caring for land. The programme, run by Landcare, aims to focus on restoring the landscape, developing sustainable agriculture and creating economic benefits. Emma Killaway has the details.
4: Gathering in the halls of Parliament, dignitaries met with cultural custodians to welcome a new collaboration in caring for country. We have the opportunity as First Nations people to help to reset, reset our future. The government joining forces with leading environmental group Landcare to establish a new
7: parliamentary working group. You have a government now who is absolutely committed to... um, looking after country and hearing the
4: voices of First Nations people. The group will work to bring together traditional owners and First Nations land and sea managers from across Australia to share knowledge and experience on land management.
0: Forming a First Nations working group in land care sets up a proper structure for directly engaging, listening to and applying the knowledge of our Indigenous populations to issues like managing our land.
4: The group is also preparing for a huge conference in August, which will see around 600 traditional owners, rangers and academics come together in far north Queensland. On the agenda, a plan to address and discuss some of Australia's greatest environmental challenges.
6: In Australia, a huge loss of our biodiversity, The mass extinction that's going on in this country, the land clearing that's happening and how that coincides with bad land management, agricultural practices that destroy our river systems, that reflects also on the health of our communities and the motivation within our people and with all peoples within Australia.
4: And workshop ways Indigenous knowledge can contribute to mainstream solutions.
6: So this conference is to demonstrate that to demonstrate how it fits into every aspect, environmentally and through our communities, through one of the oldest knowledge systems in the world.
4: Emma Calloway, NITV News. You're with
1: NITV Radio.
2: Welcome back. And now there are calls to increase the number of bone marrow donors in Australia to provide life-saving stem cells for those diagnosed with blood cancer. Federal MPs from across the political spectrum have demonstrated bipartisan support for the additional and ad- for additional funding to increase the recruitment drive for donors. Katrina Stirrat reports.
8: Every 31 minutes, an Australian is diagnosed with a blood cancer, and sadly, nearly 6,000 people a year die from the disease. A number of federal MPs are calling to expand the bone marrow registry to increase the number of donors in the system. They're hoping to ramp up the recruitment drive by introducing a simple cheek swab kit that can collect DNA for potential matches in the comfort of your home. Federal member for Kennedy, Bob Catter, says his nephew is one of the lucky ones to find a donor match. However, he says others aren't as fortunate.
6: My nephew uh, said, I will not die. And he's got a match. Bonnie Black in Charters Towers, beautiful young couple, and and it's very sad because uh, she has found a match, but it may be too late for uh, Missy Clarkson, match for Missy, too late, Missy has now died, she's 13 years of age when she started the match for Missy.
8: The Australian Bone Marrow Donor Registry's Strength to Give campaign recruited thousands of donors before government funding dried up in mid-2021. Federal MPs from all across the House, including independents and representatives from both major parties, have now relaunched the campaign. The recruitment arm of the registry outlined the simple steps required to become a blood donor. After signing up on the website, those interested will be sent a kit, which requires a simple cotton bud swab from inside your mouth. Federal member for Koo Yong, Monique Ryan, says she encourages all Australians to consider joining the registry. It's easy and painless to go on the bone marrow disease registry. Most Australians are generous
4: and kind people who would love to be able to save a life, and this is the easiest way to facilitate that. It's easy, it's painless, it takes two minutes, you, pa- you post it back and you'll go on the registry and potentially be in a position to save the life of someone with leukaemia, lymphoma, multiple myeloma or other blood c- cancers.
8: You could save a life of someone close to you, someone you don't know. It's an incredible opportunity to make a difference to people's lives. Federal Labor member for Macarthur, Dr. Mike Freelander, says the government is committed to the campaign.
6: And I first looked after a boy with leukemia who had a but the first successful bone marrow transplant in 1980 at the Children's Hospital in Sydney. And so we we can do better with this. And this uh, the strength to give campaign is fantastic. And as a parliament, <clears throat> we're all behind it. It's quite bipartisan. The Health Minister Mark Butler is committed, and better things will happen.
8: There is a strong call for young donors. In particular, from the 18 to 35 year old age bracket, because they often result in better outcomes for patients. Young men are listed as ideal donors as they often weigh more and therefore have more stem cells to offer. Dr. Freelander says the government has already released one million dollars in funding, but says there are still some logistics to consider, including around privacy as the cheek swabs are processed overseas he says he expects the government to release full funding towards the end of april when a report into the registry is finalized
6: as i've said there's no question it's it's long past time it's uh, you know 40 years since uh, you know bone marrow transplant has been successful in Australia and uh, we have a much more diverse population now, a genetically diverse population, so it is important we get more uh, people on the register, Um, particularly fit young males, they they tend to be the best uh, donors, but others as well, and uh, it is important that we we widen that base and we get our numbers up uh, to a million or more.
8: Indigenous Australians are also far less likely to find a matching donor overseas meaning there is an urgent need to increase the scale of donor recruitment. There are also calls to expand the reach of donors to multicultural and migrant communities, who only made up around 25% of Australia's registry in the period between 2021 to 2022. CEO of the Multicultural Centre for Women's Health, Dr Adele Madolo, says this would lead to a positive outcome for everyone. She says access to bilingual educators in communities is essential, as well as increasing equity in the health system in the longer term.
1: So I think in a context where people have uh, a lower level of trust in the health system, um, and some in some cases there are really good reasons why people do have a lower level of trust in the health system because of their past experiences, um, because they might have used our health system and been treated Inequitably, um,
8: they're going to of course carry that um, belief into this issue as well. The Multicultural Centre for Women's Health ran a campaign using in-language videos to educate communities about organ donation so that they could make more informed decisions. Dr Murdolo says it's important to similarly consider culturally and gender-safe practices when it comes to stem cell donations.
1: So we've talked about multicultural communities in general but there also are some gendered issues um, and you do need to adapt your education campaigns to specifically target women um, and their you know, concerns. But of course, we can't just make the videos and let them sit on websites. They have to actually be um, distributed um, and then the conversations had. So in, in the case of those videos that we made, there were a conversation tool for small group in-language um, discussions.
8: The number of donors in the registry currently sits at around 140,000. The registry projects at least 125,000 more Australians need to be recruited to meet patient demand. Katrina Stirrett, SBS News.
5: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
2: And uh, that's all we have for your program this Wednesday afternoon. Petran Tungendami here. I Tung am thanking you for your company. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu.